0: Spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined by my cool friend Jessica. Hey! And today we are bringing you a very notorious and infamous unsolved murder case this week, and I'm very very excited. Me too. Good, good. Yeah, this was actually a Jessica suggestion, but I am fucking here for it. We are going to be chatting with you guys about the Black Dahlia today. Yay! Yay! (laughs) We're both like, yay, hella quiet. (laughs) (laughs) But as always, before we jump into that, we're going to go ahead and do our business, our drinks, and the promo, as always. I want to start off by saying, if you are new here, hello and welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. (laughs) Wingapo. And if you are a uh, regular spookster or an OG spookster or whatever, hello, welcome back. Hello, hello. We love you. And you can check the show notes below. We are on all these social media platforms, as you will know. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that fantastic stuff. We would love to have you come hang out with us. We do all kinds of cool, fun stuff over there. And we have an amazing merch store. Jessica just added some new things that you guys definitely need to check out. There is one crop top available. (gasps) We have a crop top. I need it. I don't care that it's about to be winter. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: I know. I need to go add all of the logos to the crop top. I think it's just the new one. I think it's just the save your life,
0: save your life. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yes. That is our new little logo on there. And then we also have Apparently crop tops, but we also have these amazing glass mason jars with a lid and a straw. Oh, my God. By the time this is up, we probably will both have ours because we ordered them as soon as Jessica made them. Check it the fuck out.
1: I may even have mine for the live.
0: Yes, Jessica's might make it in time for the live. Mine probably won't, but it might. You never know. It might. It might get there the day of. We'll see.
1: When does this episode go up? Next Monday?
0: This goes up the 23rd.
1: Okay, so we would have had it already.
0: Mm -hmm. So they may have seen it already. So you may have seen it already. Mm -hmm. But if you're new and you haven't been on our socials, you haven't. So go check that out. Go check it out. You can click that in the link tree as well. And lastly, of course, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon. We are at... Patreon.com slash 3spookedgirls. That is also in the link tree as well. And this is our last week to enter our Halloween giveaway. We are doing a big-ass care package box with all kinds of goodies, a Starbucks gift card, and some other little surprises in there for you. All you have to do is join for as little as a dollar and that enters you there. And the money we get from our Patreon, we just put back into our show. That helps us get better equipment, helps with software for me for editing and other stuff for future giveaways, for more merch and things like that. Yes. Yes, yes. So, yeah, if you would like to sponsor or, you know, support the show, go over there. So, now that I'm kind of done with that business feel, let's go ahead and get to the fun part. Drinks. What did you pick?
1: So, you know, I went on Pinterest, like I always do, mm-hmm. and started looking, and I was like, okay, Black Dahlia cocktail, and this has never happened in the history of me looking for a drink. It just popped the fuck up. What? A Black Dahlia cocktail. I was like, what has happened? It's amazing. So. What you need to make it is vodka, pure black cherry juice, sparkling pomegranate juice, and you can serve it with a sugared rim on the glass and if you want to, and it looks hella cool if you do, put the pomegranate seeds in there, so it looks a little like mm. I don't know how else to explain it. It looks all it kind of looks gran not granulated, but like yeah, granulated, like the color fades when you go down, it's a little mm-hmm. lighter. So I don't know. Check it out tomorrow on our Pinterest or Instagram.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I got so excited because one of our spooksters
0: made one of my drinks. Yes, yes, yes. That was so cool. And posted.
1: And I'm so happy because you have no idea what it feels like to make something and then be like, just spend money on alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) And people be like, "Mm -mm, just kidding.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if you guys make our drinks or anything like that, just... You don't if, if you don't feel like posting it, but you want to share it with us, you can always DM it to us. We'd love to see it. Yes. It's super cool. Are you going to ask me what I'm drinking? <laughs> no, I want to be rude. What are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> again? Goddamn. This is the fucking other episode all over again. <laughs> I know.
1: I was like, let's just move on, Tara. No, What are you drinking? I'm sorry. No, that's
0: okay. We could have. Um, no wine for me this week. I woke up super early and I'm a little tired, but it's okay. I'm down for the cause. I've got coffee, Black Rifle coffee, strong coffee in my Ghoulfriend mug. Ooh. Yes. So I got the spooks there. And then I also have my big ass water. So I got my minimum two drinks here.
1: I left my water in the other room, but my husband ran on his way home to Jack's Urban Eats. Mm -hmm. And I have
0: strawberry lemonade. Boom. There we go. So yeah, no wine this week. But I will suggest any of the 19 Crimes red wines. Sip on that while you listen to this. So, before we dive into the Black Dahlia, we're going to take a quick promo break, and we will catch you guys back here in just a minute. Hey, did you know that in the original Bloody Mary ritual, you had to walk backwards up a flight of stairs? Oh, really? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, and the purpose was to catch a glimpse of your future husband's face. Really? I wish I could find my future husband that easily. Honestly, all I really want to do now is drink a Bloody Mary. Well, how about we go make some Bloody Marys while you tell me more fun facts about Bloody Mary? Join us every week at Booze and Spirits. Where we make our favorite drinks and tell each other our favorite paranormal stories. Find us under Booze and Spirits on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and Podbean. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Booze and Spirits. Okay, well, welcome back, guys. So for today's episode, like I said, I have a ton of notes. I'm so excited. So basically, I am going to run us through the story here. I have the background on the infamous Black Dahlia Elizabeth short, and then I'm going to go through the murder. We're going to talk some suspects and theories, and then I'm going to pass it off to Jessica because she's going to chat about the TV film aspect that's been inspired over the years on this murder so we got a good episode ahead of us so let's just buckle on in
1: i'm looking forward to it
0: hails yes so elizabeth short was born on july 29th 1924 to cleo and phoebe short in boston massachusetts massachusetts drink i'm gonna leave that
1: drink 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 (laughs)
0: because i rarely do anymore Shortly after she was born in 1927, they would relocate over to Medford, Mass. Her father had a career in designing and building mini golf courses. Which, by the way, that's so fucking cool, like, <laughs> of all random things. So niche, so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> hmm Which, though, would not be a good thing for this time period because, as we all know, the Great Depression would hit and this would pretty much cause a shit show to happen for everybody, and especially the Short family. So Cleo felt like there was no hope at all during the Great Depression, and there was no fucking way he would be able to take care of his wife and his five daughters. So essentially, he decided to fake a suicide. It really wasn't uncommon for people to kill themselves during this time just because of the pressure of everything and just the turmoil of life at this point. So he figured, why not? He decided to leave his car near a bridge so that it looked like he jumped off it. He left Phoebe to fend for herself and her five daughters. She moved herself and her children into a small apartment and took on a bunch of different jobs, uh, mainly was like a bookkeeper. And then also it was said she was able to get some public assistance to help her make up the difference a little bit. But still, in the 30s, raising five kids. Shit, even today, raising five kids by yourself. Fuck. Mm-mm. Elizabeth Short- also known as Beth or Betts. She had a lot of health issues growing up. She actually had lung surgery at the age of 15. It said she had a lot of trouble with bronchitis and very severe asthma. So because of this, her doctor would end up recommending that she relocate to a warmer climate during the colder months. So in the winter, she ended up staying in Miami, Florida with some family friends of theirs. We will get to some fun she had down in Florida in a little bit. (laughs) But before that, in 1942, a letter arrived from Cleo. He had decided to come clean on the fact that he wasn't dead. He explained, you know, this whole sob story that it was just too much pressure, that he thought they'd be better off without him, and essentially, he pretty much had left them there and ran off to California to start a new life. But he missed his family, and he wanted to come back. Boo. Boo hoo. But Phoebe pretty much told him to fuck off and she didn't need him and never wanted to see him again.
1: Good for Phoebe. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Because most women at that time would have
1: been like, he's alive and probably made up some bullshit like he had amnesia.
0: Yeah, probably. So while Phoebe told him to fuck off, Elizabeth did not. She actually decided to go move to California. In her teens, it was kind of the start of her wanting to be this big actress. So I'm going to assume part of her motivation for moving might have been to kind of go kickstart that career because, of course, Hollywood was there. Don't know totally for sure, but you know what I mean. Could have been why. Now, this would go downhill super quickly. Keep in mind, she hadn't seen her dad since she was six years old, first of all. Her dad would end up kicking her out in January of 1943. Basically, it was because he... Just didn't like how she was living her life and said she was lazy and she wasn't pulling her weight and she wasn't helping out, anything like that. So she got the fuck out of there.
1: Maybe if she would had a dad who taught her how to, like, be a hardworking person. No, that's not an excuse. Her mom was very hardworking. So I retract my statement.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So when she moved out, she got a job at the base exchange at Camp Cook, which is now Vandenberg Air Force Base near Lompoc, California. She would essentially couch surf at this point, living with, you know, a bunch of different friends and shortly with a service member who was probably a boyfriend or something. But he was really abusive towards her, which surprise, surprise at this point during this time period. So Elizabeth ended up leaving Lompoc in mid-1943 and then she moved to Santa Barbara and she had her one run in with the law. So on September 23rd of 1943, she was arrested for underage drinking at a bar. The authorities sent her back to Medford, but instead of staying there, she went to Florida and she would go up to uh, Massachusetts to visit her mom and her other family like every so often. Now, while in Florida, she was living her best life. She was a busy social person. She dated quite a few service members. She didn't care like what branch. Anything like that, it was just like, it was always service members. If you watch any video, anything like that, we'll see kind of that pattern. Anyway, so she would go on later to meet Major Matthew Michael Gordon Jr. He was training for a deployment to the China-Burma-India Theater during World War II. Elizabeth had told her friends that Matthew had proposed to her while he was recovering from some injuries from a plane crash. And then she was also corresponding with his mom as well while he was away. Of course, she accepted his offer and he had sent her like all kinds of gifts. He had sent her like a bunch of like fancy linens and she had like a hope chest. It was a whole thing. So, you know, they were like legit going to get married. Unfortunately, it took a sad turn. So... Matthew actually ended up dying in a second crash on August 10th of 1945, and this was actually less than a week before the surrender of Japan to end the war. His mom had actually notified Elizabeth for this via telegraph, and it was really weird. I grabbed the quote. I didn't see this in any of the articles I read. I actually heard this in a video I watched. I watched Stephanie Harlow's videos a lot. She's a true crime YouTuber, and so I wrote it down. The quote from Matthew's mom was, Matt killed in plane crash on his way home from India. My sympathy is with you. Pray it isn't so. That's just kind of weird. I know, like, sometimes there's, like, some misinformation and stuff, especially because they didn't have, like, technology like we do. But it's just weird.
1: I think sometimes, like, I don't know. Because I would think that if, like, his mother was notified, someone for the from the War Department would have had to show
0: up. Right. Exactly. Like, I don't know.
1: But there were a lot of, like missing in action, that they were just like, well, we presume he's dead. Mm-hmm. She could have been like, well, maybe this is one of those moments. Right. Yeah, that's
0: true. After this, of course, Elizabeth had a period of like mourning where she was just like totally, totally out of it. But then I read something that said she actually would tell people that Matthew was her husband and that they had a baby, and but the baby died in childbirth. I don't know how credible that is, but I was just like, whoa, like what the fuck? Anyway, once she began to recover, though, she kind of tried to go back to her old life and started reconnecting with her old friends from Hollywood. And with reconnecting with people from her past, she would also get in contact with a Lieutenant Joseph Gordon Thickling. All these people have such long names. Jesus.
1: I know. I When I first read it, I giggled really hard. <laughs>
0: Now, Joseph was another service member that she had dated in Florida. She actually went and met up with him in Chicago, and it was described that she fell back head over heels in love with him. And Joseph was actually stationed at the time at the Naval Reserve Air Force Base in Long Beach. And then eventually she ended up relocating to California to be with him. And of course, happily ever after didn't last too long. Sadly, he didn't die. didn't they? They did break up though. Basically, it was kind of along the lines of he thought like she was cheating on him or that he wasn't like her number one guy. I don't know what their exact situation was kind of thing. But basically, he was kind of getting jealous. So they split up, but they split up on good terms. He relocated to North Carolina, but they kept in touch. And it was actually said that like he would send her money sometimes. So He's probably a good guy, you know, if he's still helping her out, even after breaking up and stuff. Well, he probably felt
1: guilty that she moved out there for him. True. I mean, granted, that's probably where she really wanted to be, but. Oh, yeah. He probably felt guilty, like, oh, she moved away from her family and everyone she really knows, and now she's here with me, so.
0: Yeah, true. True. After this, Elizabeth left Los Angeles on December 8th of 1946 to go to San Diego. While she was in San Diego, she became friends with a Dorothy French. And Dorothy was working at the Aztec Theater and basically had found her sleeping in one of the seats after an evening show one day. She told Dorothy that she had left Hollywood because finding a job as an actress was really hard and there was a bunch of like actor strikes going on at the time. So Dorothy felt bad for her and offered her a place to stay at her mom's house for a few days. And then this was something that was also common. It was always supposed to be a few days at somebody's house and it would turn into her kind of outstaying her welcome. She'd always end up staying longer. And then when it was like, okay, you got to get the hell out, she'd go stay somewhere else. Okay. Terrible to say, but from my understanding, it was she kind of was like a drifter and a freeloader a little bit. Like she never really pitched in with like, you know, money and stuff. Like she'd have all these like odd jobs, side jobs. Her acting career never took off, unfortunately. Like she was a waitress, different little jobs like that. But she was always living different little places like other people's houses. She did do some housework for Dorothy's family, but she did continue her late night partying and also uh, her social dating life. She started dating or, quote, dating. It's a little bit up for debate, I guess, depending who you talk to. (laughs) Yeah. A man named Robert Red Manley. He was a salesman from Los Angeles. He was married. He had a pregnant wife. He a dirtbag. Yes. Red admitted he was attracted to Elizabeth, but claimed that they never slept together. Bullshit. Yeah.
1: Bullshit. Oh, I'm sorry. I had a a coughing attack.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the two of them saw each other off and on for a few weeks. And Elizabeth had asked him for a ride back to Hollywood. Red agreed and picked her up from the French house on January 8th of 1947. He said he paid for her hotel room that night and they went to a party. And then after that, they returned to the hotel room and he slept on the bed and she slept in the chair because she wasn't feeling well that night. But that was it.
1: Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, little note keep in mind for later on, because we'll discuss it later, he is also the last person that saw her alive.
1: That can definitively say they saw her. Yes, yes, yes.
0: We're going to segue over to the murders now. Okay, so on the morning of January 15th of 1947, Betty Bersinger was walking to a shoe repair shop with her three-year-old daughter. What she thought would be just a normal morning running errands would actually turn into a fucking nightmare. Like, I don't know how else to describe that.
1: Imagine there's like so many things that probably were like, not only does she see this, but her three-year-old sees this.
0: Yeah. So as the two of them are walking up the street, they approach the corner of Norton and 39th. They passed a bunch of vacant lots bordering the sidewalks. So basically when World War II happened... Development had slowed down in Los Angeles, so like this was pretty common for the time mm-hmm. like so like they didn't have people like doing construction things like that makes sense yeah so just like you know creepy looking and abandoned and like not what it looks like today basically it's kind of like what putting that picture in your head if you didn't know yes and so you know Betty she's walking around with her daughter she sees something white she glances at the object and originally she thought it was a mannequin. But as we know, it's never a mannequin. It's never a fucking mannequin. No. So Betty continues to walk towards it and something seems off. Once she was able to get a closer look, she realized it was actually a woman. Now, we know this woman is Elizabeth, so no spoilers there. Elizabeth's body was completely severed from the waist and drained entirely of blood, making her skin extremely white her face had been slashed from the corners of her mouth to ears, creating an effect known as the Glasgow smile. Now, if you don't know what that is, basically the easiest way to describe that is the scars on the Joker's face. Yes. So during this time, actually, the Glasgow smile was said to be used by gang members, and this would be like a warning sign to be like, better fucking watch yourself. This is what we do. We're going to do worse kind of thing. So... Yeah. Scary. hmm She also had several cuts on her thighs and breasts, where entire portions of flesh had been sliced away. The lower half of her body was positioned a foot away from her upper half, and her intestines had been tucked neatly underneath her butt. Her body had also been posed with her hands over her head and her elbows bent at right angles, and her legs spread apart. It was also noted that the medical examiners determined that she had been dead for around 10 hours prior to being found, leaving her time of death either between the evening of January 14th or the early, like, super, super early morning of the 15th. And also, another weird thing was that the body had been washed by the killer. Like? Like, washed clean. Pristinely. Yes. So, obviously, even today, even with as desensitized as we are, this would be fucking horrific to find. Right. So, of course, Betty pretty much, like, screamed, snatched her kid up, and ran over to a nearby house to call the cops. Shitty enough, but not surprised, by the time the investigation team made their way over there, it was fucking covered with reporters, photographers, and a bunch of people just, like, being little looky-loos, basically. This case picked up traction super quick. Mm -hmm. So the autopsy of Elizabeth's body was performed on January 16th by Frederick Newbar, uh, the Los Angeles County coroner. The autopsy revealed multiple lacerations to the face and head. Uh, There was no sperm present on the body because the killer had, like I said, washed it clean. There was numerous cuts in a crisscross pattern all over her pubic area, and her pubic hair had actually been removed by hand, they determined.
1: How do they determine that?
0: I don't fucking, like... I don't know if that means, like, plucked. I don't like that. I don't want to... Yeah. Most of the damage done seemed to have been post-mortem due to very little bruising on the body, including the severing of her body at her waist by transecting the lumbar spine between the second and third vertebrae. And another gaping laceration measuring four and a quarter inches in length ran... Longitudinally from the umbilicus to the supubic region. Sorry, guys. I am not the best with pronouncing stuff.
1: That was right. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's right.
0: Oh, cool. Yay me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. The lacerations on each side of her face, which extended from the corners of the lips, were about three inches on the right side of her face and two and a half inches on the left. Her skull wasn't fractured, but there was bruising noted on the front and right side of her scalp with a small amount of bleeding on the right side, just consistent with the blows to the head. Her cause of death was determined to be hemorrhaging from the lacerations to her face and the shock from the blows to the head and face. This is a much better explanation than Google gave me.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> the other day I was joking with Tara because I was typing in something and like, you know how Google gives you like the popular questions and answers. Mm-hmm. And so it was like the first question was, how did the Black Dahlia die? I was like, oh, this is great. I'll just click here. And it was just said murdered.
0: <laughs> and I was like, yeah, <laughs> really? No shit. No shit. The medical examiner also noted that her anal canal was dilated at 1.75 inches and that suggested that she may have been raped.
1: How? Yeah. Cuz this is like 2 inches. So I know. drop a little bit.
0: Mhm. Her uh samples were taken from her body for testing for the presence of sperm, but like I said like it all came they couldn't find anything because she had been totally cleaned.
1: Which is it's just such a weird
0: it's so weird. Like Yeah. I don't know. We'll get into the the theories mm-hmm. we shall. So prior to her autopsy, they were able to identify her pretty quick because they sent her prints to DC. They came back up because of her underage drinking arrest. Sometimes it's good to drink underage.
1: Just kidding! Don't ever drink
0: underage, just pad. Don't do it. Do not. The fucked up thing is after her ID, a fucking reporter from the examiner contacted her mom and told her that she had won a beauty contest so they could get more personal information basically (gasps) yeah that's so fucked up and basically after they got what they wanted they were like oh by the way your daughter was murdered i hope that person is burning in hell that's how her mom found out
1: william randolph hearst you
0: employing horrible people you Mm-hmm. And then this would start like, you know, the infamous media coverage where it was just like Black Dahlia and then like all the headlines that was like sex fiend slaying and adventurous and all of this shit. And basically, there's a little bit of debate where Black Dahlia came from. Some people say it was like a personal nickname that originally came up because she was very alabaster skin but had black hair and wore a lot of black clothing because she she cared so much about how she looked she would rather go get the newest outfit than eat and like black was like her favorite color and dark colors and stuff so some people say that she got the nickname that way and then others say she got the nickname because of like her You know, because of what she looked like, but the papers did it because there was a movie out called The Blue Dahlia, Mm -hmm. but then they just changed it to The Black Dahlia because of her hair and her clothes and stuff like that. So, whichever one you want. There you go. Now, on January 23rd, this kind of stuff kind of reminded me of BTK, even though it would be like BTK copied him. Mm Mm-hmm. So on the 23rd, the examiner received a call from a man claiming to be her killer. He told the editor, who was J.H. Richardson, that he was upset the way the story was being told in the papers. Oh, boo-hoo. And he offered to mail Elizabeth's belongings to prove that he was telling the truth. So they got a package and a letter from, you know, magazine clippings the following day. And this package included her birth certificate, Mm -hmm. business cards, pictures, and an address book with the name Mark Hansen on the cover. Mark Hansen was someone Elizabeth had stayed with for a short time and automatically became a prime suspect. Of course, he would later be cleared. Her handbag and shoe, though, weird enough, was found in a trash can the same day that they received the package. And these items were found only a few miles away from the lot where her body was found. And these were identified later by Red. And basically... This was, like, a big oopsie on the killer's part because he obviously didn't, like, think these would be clues or anything of importance into her murder, but mm-hmm. obviously they were her stuff, so. And then this would also kind of give them a clue that, like, he was in walking distance of the lot and all of that stuff, you know? True. True. So after this, it was just more frenzy of like tips, of like letters, phone calls, things like that. Just all kinds of stuff. And then they would get some more letters from said killer. And one of them said... Quote, I will give up in Dahlia killing if I get 10 years. Don't try to find me. Like, bitch, you can't negotiate. Get the fuck out of (laughs) here. Like, what the fuck? So sadly, like I said, like, they got a bunch of tips and everything, but most of it just wasn't really helpful, wasn't valid information or anything to go off of. Because – the crazies come out. Yeah, exactly. They got some more letters. They sent them in. Unfortunately, whoever sent them in was smart enough to know that if you rinse them in gasoline, that'll strip them of the fingerprints. So forensics really couldn't do anything with them.
1: Which makes me think that he had been arrested.
0: Either had been arrested or knew about forensics.
1: Or I don't know if the military was collecting fingerprints at that time, but definitely like knew that That's one way they catch criminals. True. And then again, like, the police and the press would, like, release when, you know, like, right now, like, with the Golden State Killer, everyone's like, this new technology of DNA through blah, blah, blah. So it's like, killers are like, or people are like, okay, so just make sure no one in my family does it. Got it. Pretty much, yeah.
0: If you look up like suspects, like you look on the wiki page or any of the articles, like they had so many suspects and they still even have on the list so many suspects. But there's like three I want to chat about with you, Jessica, and with the spooksters. Yeah, there's two. I'm like, nah, throw away. And the last one I'm, like, probably going to concentrate a little bit more on because I think that's who did it. And you're probably going to agree with me, hopefully. We'll see, though. If not, it's okay. We will see. We shall see. So, of course, the first one was Red. was a popular one because he was the last one to see her. Mm-hmm. He was cleared. In my opinion, I didn't really think he was anyone to really kill her. It didn't seem like they had the kind of relationship or because like, you know, there's always that thing where it's like, oh, the mistress is trying to get more and cause trouble, that kind of thing. But I didn't see it that way. So, you know. Yeah, I don't think so either.
1: I don't think she and Red were ever going to be long term. I think Red was her like means to an end to get out of San Diego.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like and they both knew what it was. So you know what I mean? It was just kind of like bad timing on his part as far as being the last one to see her.
1: Right. I mean, I don't know if like maybe her being with him opened her up. I don't know like obviously she wasn't careful like she didn't she wasn't the best judge of character Mm -hmm. because
0: she was dating a married man. Yeah. But you know that's suspect number one that's pretty popular but no. So spooked girls will say no. Now this next one which I actually um, came across when I was watching our favorites BuzzFeed Unsolved. Yay. It's said that Ralph Asdell, who was a detective on this case, had a run-in with this unknown man who had a black car that was described to have been seen around the time her body was found and was a possible suspect, but nothing really ever came out of it. So it's just this big question mark person. So like, we don't know anything about him. We don't have a name, nothing. So it's just kind of one of those like very elusive, random kind of just wanted to throw those in there, suspects, that I found interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Now, (laughs) dumpster fire time. Dr. George Hoddle.
1: Ah, good old Dr. Hoddle.
0: I'm just going to start now. Motherfucker did it. This is who I think is the person. And I just whispered
1: underneath you, motherfucker did it.
0: Possible suspect number three, per my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Per Tara's notes. Per my notes. Okay. So, where to begin? (laughs) Let me just start off with this. He's a piece of shit. Okay? We gotta start with Dan. (laughs) He not only has been linked to the Black Dahlia, he's been linked to multiple murders. So, let's just talk about the first murder he was suspected for. In 1945, his secretary somehow ended up dead by a drug overdose. And... uh, there was some financial fraud going on. So with his like billing for his patients, they think he uh, killed her to keep her hush-hush.
1: What? Not Ruth.
0: Yeah. He was also said to have been the uh, physician for the elite and the stars because um it was rumored he was performing illegal abortion services. Ah, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And he... Is very much so linked to the Black Dahlia. So much so, his fucking own child, his son, Steve Hoddle, who was a detective as well, literally has spent so fucking long trying to prove that his father has done this. He's dedicated his retirement to this.
1: Right? Steve literally is my. It's not even. It wasn't even like just his retirement. It was like most of his career. Truth, truth, truth. Like,
0: Fucking crazy. I
1: mean, George is kind of the biggest piece of shit. Like, he is the dumpster fire that is full of pieces of shit on fire. Like,
0: Mm. I mean,
1: man was accused of raping his own
0: daughter. Yep, you beat me to it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Basically, in 1949, there was accusations basically impregnating his 14-year-old daughter. When the incident happened, she was 14. She had left home, and then she had her daughter at 15, which she gave up for adoption. So it's kind of like, are you fucking kidding me?
1: Do they tell the adoptive parents
0: that the child might be... I mean, it's obviously came out eventually. I don't know. I don't know.
1: I wonder if it was like a closed adoption, like they didn't know. Because I'm sitting here going, there
0: has to be some like... uh.
1: Our adoptive kid is what?
0: Yeah. But he went to trial for that and everything. So after that is when he actually came up as a suspect because they were pulling like sex criminals and stuff in the area to be investigated and everything. You know, they had no fucking clue. So they were just trying to pull everybody. Yeah, because
1: Elizabeth's murder is sexual sadism 101. Mm
0: hmm. This is also prime time when there's like dirty cops and people are being bought off and things like that. But there was like some sketchy shit going on, too. They ended up bugging his house and there was an interesting quote he had. He had said, supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They can't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy anyway. They may have figured it out now. Killed her. Maybe I did kill my secretary. And then they also had caught on or caught recordings of him talking about needing connections with the DA and other things like that as well. He would also be interviewed as a suspect in 1949 for another murder of Louise Springer, which is the Green Twig murder, though... Evidence for this would come, like, fucking way, way later. This actually was available last July, apparently. And eventually, he ended up fleeing to Manila. And while he's in Manila, another woman ends up dead about half a mile from his house. Mm. And this victim had basically the same kind of injuries that the Black Dahlia had. Fucking shocker. Yeah. You cannot have those kind of coincidences. I'm fucking sorry. Yeah. He fucking did it. That's just not a fucking thing. Right? And with the precision of all of... Her injuries and everything, it would make sense with someone with a medical background and things like that as well. Because not just any random fucking Jack is going to know how to do all the things that happen. They're not going to know how to drain a body of blood. They're not going to know how to, like you know, dissect her, for lack of a better term, you know, things like that.
1: Especially that pristine and clean. Like, it wasn't like she was hacked in half.
0: Exactly. And he's just not a good person, as it is, obviously, so. And death's following him around, so I'm just like, hmm, interesting. Okay. Yeah, someone needed to hit him with a truck. But uh, unfortunately, he ended up dying in 1991. Unfortunately? I mean, it's not unfortunately. I'm glad he's dead. But it's like one of those (laughs) things where it's like it wasn't proven, obviously. Right. But that's kind of, I guess, going to wrap it up for me. I just kind of wanted to chit chat a little bit about that. And I won't continue on because I can go down more rabbit holes with his piece of shit self. If you guys have any... Opinions on who killed Elizabeth Short. I would love to know who you think it is. Let me know on social medias. I am going to hand it off, though, to Jessica so she can chit-chat about movies and TVs, though, involving Black Dahlia.
1: So the Black Dahlia has been on everything from, like, Unsolved Mystery, Tara mentioned, BuzzFeed Unsolved. They've done ghost shows they've they've done a lot of things i've met some people who have actually tried to go and do like a spirit reading around her grave site which i didn't realize was in um oakland oh so closer to mm-hmm. me than i anticipated it would have done her justice if they had put her like in that like old hollywood you know like the it'll come to me tonight like at 2 a.m i'll wake up and be like that's this cemetery it's the cemetery where they bury all like all of the
0: prestigious celebrities are buried in but see she wasn't a celebrity so
1: right but because she got notoriety after death Mm -hmm. which some people say she's the most infamous actress there's ever lived (laughs) because like here's the thing you might not know her name But you know who she is. True. Because at some point in the media, you have like stumbled across her. Mm -hmm. Whether it's like in passing where someone, I know that there were some actors and some other people who were like (laughs) at one point on the suspect list and they would make jokes about it, things like that. But it's literally the greatest unsolved murder of the modern age. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode is because I want to talk about the movie, The Black Dahlia, that came out in 2006. The lineup for this movie is my high school crush, Josh Hartnett. Ah, <laughs> Right? I loves him. He plays a character called Dwight Bucky Bleichart. And then Scarlett Johansson is in this movie. Ooh. She plays a character named Kay Lake. She is a reformed prostitute hmm. that is kind of weirdly caught between the two main characters, but like not caught. It's weird. Aaron Eckhart plays Lee Blanchard. If you don't know who that is, he played Two-Face mm-hmm. in the Batman trilogy. Hillary Swank plays Madeline Linscott. Elizabeth Short is played by um, Maya Kirshner, who if you watch the movie and then you've watched Vampire Diaries, you're going to be like, oh, it's Elena's real mom. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did. I was like, oh, I know who she is now. And then one of my favorite characters in this movie is a very small but role is Ramona Linscott, and it's played by Fiona Shaw. Hmm. Fiona Shaw is um Petunia Dursley. Mm-hmm. hmm So in case you're wondering. So essentially the story starts off with these two cops. It's really a, it starts with like some riots and some cops versus sailors, and it's and the city comes up with this idea. Let's do a boxing match between these two guys. The one is named Mr. Fire and one's named Mr. Ice. And so it's Josh Hartnett and Aaron Eckhart. Like Bucky and Lee go head to head. So this is where like Bucky meets Scarlet Joe, who is Kay Lake, who is on the arm of Aaron or Lee, I should say. And like Bucky is instantly like, who are these people? I love them. I want to be friends with them. And mind you, both Lee and Bucky are police officers. So they do this fight and Bucky loses and it's kind of like he he kind of throws the fight a little bit because he's promised like $8,000 and he does it because his dad is old and um, he puts him in a nursing home. So the money goes to that. Well, because of this, they get the warrants department. So basically what they do is they track down people with warrants. Mm -hmm. And one night Lee comes to Bucky and says, hey, we're going to do the stakeout. and. The stakeout, this guy Nash is going to be there. Well, it's one block away from the Black Dahlia dump site. So then there's this big shootout. And when they're like looking in the house and everything, they notice that there are cops forming in the block behind them. So they go over there and they are now on it. But because these two guys are the golden boys of the police department... They get put on this and Bucky doesn't want anything to do with this. Mm. He just wants to do his warrants. He just wants to do his job. But he's kind of being forced into this. So to kind of flash forward, Bucky falls in love with Kay, but Kay lives with Lee because Lee busted her old pimp. If that makes sense. And so he she lives with him as like this protecting thing. But she falls in love with Bucky, too. But then Lee makes a really stupid mistake and tries to track down the guy who like was the pimp who like mutilated her and all this stuff. And Lee ends up dead. And you're like, oh, no. And then Josh and then Bucky and and Kay have sex on a table. It's a very weird, like, this whole, their relationship is weird. So then they, like, basically, like, live together and they're like, whatever. Mm -hmm. The part that I missed is while Bucky is investigating the death of the Black Dahlia, he finds out that she and this other girl frequent a lesbian bar. Which, in real life, there was rumors that she was a lesbian because she frequented lesbian bars. I think it had more to do with the fact that, like, she could go and sit down and someone would buy her a meal if she like flirted with them type situation. So while Bucky's at this lesbian bar, he looks across the room and there's this lookalike and it's Madeline Linscott. And Madeline Linscott is like dead ringer, has now started wearing a black Dahlia in her hair, is very like creepy, rich girl walk around. So he finds out who she is and basically follows her. But she doesn't do what like a normal human would do. And this is before Lee has died, by the way. Mm. She doesn't do what a normal human would do if a cop was following her. You know, like if a cop was following me, I'd be like, officers, there something wrong. Did I do something? Can we can we work on this? No. She's like immediately like, do you want to have sex with me? Oh,
0: Jesus.
1: She's like, let's have dinner and then let's go have sex. So then by have dinner, she means come over to my parents' house and watch my family be crazy. What the fuck? <laughs> Like, I'm not kidding you. Like, one of my favorite scenes is, like, he walks into the house and there's this dog sitting there with a newspaper in his mouth. And she's like, meet Balto. It's our family dog. When daddy made his first million. <laughs> oh, my God. When daddy made his first million, Balto walked in with a newspaper in his mouth and daddy wanted to commem- commemorate the moment. So he shot and had him stuffed. And you're just like. What the fuck? This is the first hit, hit and You're like, this is not a normal family. No. <laughs> so they start like talking and like at dinner it's crazy and like her sister is weird and is like drawing a caricature of him and they're like talking and she's very like very provocative talking and the mother is just sitting there like, I'm fucking over this and is like shaking and you can tell she's a little worse for wear type thing. Like <laughs> She kind of, like, freaks out and is like, if the mayor came to dinner, I'd put, like, I'd, you know, put on airs, but it's just this fucking detective. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's like, okay. So then the mom runs away and then the dad is like, well. And how the dad made money is he made money by building houses, like, during the boom of Hollywood land, mm-hmm. which is an important factor in all of this so then as they go to leave the sister finishes the caricature and hands it to josh hartnett's character bucky and it's madeline who's hillary swank and him having sex so like the family is fucking off they're not all there so then josh hartnett and her leave to go to a movie but really they go to a cheesy motel or sleazy motel and have sex At which she tells him, my father made his money by basically building houses out of old sets. So they're death traps. And they're like, okay. So then, flash forward, Lee has died. He's now a Scarlett Johansson. He's still trying to crack this case, but it seems to always come back to this crazy-ass family. Like, they've had other suspects, but they're just not really panning out. Then Josh Hartnett's character finds a stash of money in Lee, because now he's like basically moved into Lee's house with Kay, mm-hmm. which is creepy. Like, would you move in with your best friend's significant other like within a week after he's been dead? No. And not dead like had like uh like an official memorial service or anything. Like he got killed trying to catch a bad guy illegally, and so another kind of guy who like tips him off like a rat just had him cremated in his like basement furnace. Ugh, cringy. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like so, like not even like real, not even a real goodbye. Mm-hmm. He finds a stack of money, and they basically find out that Lee is actually a dirty cop. Of course, and the reason Lee is a dirty cop is because Kay and the got- her pimp robbed a bank. Kay found out where the money was, told Lee where it was. Lee went and got the money after they busted the dude. Mm. So they had all this money. And they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) So, like, Bucky just bounces. And he goes, obviously, stupid man goes back to Madeline. And they have their tort affair. Well, then it's like the next day, he kind of figures it out because he sees this painting on the wall. And it's of a clown with, like, you know, the Joker slash marks. And he's like, wait a tick. Mm -hmm. So, basically, he kind of puts it all together that it's this family. And he thinks it's the dad. So he goes and he confronts the dad with a gun, right? And he starts shooting up the house and everything like this. And they're trying to tell him, like, no, 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 look, it's this our housekeeper, our groundskeeper. Like, he's crazy. My dad knew he was lonely. So he hired Elizabeth to come, like, be an escort for him and hang out with him. And then he's done this. But this dude is dead now because this is the guy who was with Lee when Lee died. You gotta watch that part, you'll understand. So, twisted turn of events it's not George, but it's Fiona Shaw. Shocked look. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh my God. She's crazy because she's actually in love with George, and George, their groundskeeper, is actually Madeline's dad. So, it's even creepier that George had this weird fascination with. Because the reason George knew about her was because Madeline's dad made a porn with Elizabeth. Not like he was in it, like he made, like, he produced it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's still gross. Right, with Elizabeth and another girl. So George becomes obsessed. So he takes her on this date to one of the houses in one of the abandoned projects, which just so happened to be near a river, you know, to wash the body. Yeah. And so basically... Fiona Shaw admits to killing her because Josh Hartnett's character, Bucky, had kind of found the place and the evidence and everything like that. So it's just a weird turn of events because as he's leaving, he realizes that, oh, Ramona shoots herself, tells everyone, hey, I killed her. And the the father's like, you can't. She's crazy. She's never this. This testimony is never going to hold up in court. And then the mom was like, bye-bye. Kills herself. And so Bucky's leaving. And he's like, as he's leaving and going back to Kay, he's like having this existential moment. Like nobody is ever going to fucking believe this. I have zero proof of this. And so then it's just like the end. He walks into Kay's house. But I think this, I know it it sounds like a lame ending, but I do really like this movie because I think one of the things is is it shows how we can get caught up in a theory because there was a theory for a long time and Elliot Ness, he had another suspect where he thinks was from a prominent family in the area that they just kind of like paid to cover it up type shit. Mm, There's a lot of that. Right, there's so many, this case has so many suspects. The Black Dahlia pops up in pop culture reference all the time. It's actually been in American Horror Story in what is in the murder house yeah season one yeah which is a perfectly good explanation like of what happened is that you know there there is that theory that she was pregnant Mm -hmm. though the medical reports say she wasn't there's the theory that she maybe thought she was pregnant or something like that and went to have an abortion and that's how she met Hoddle. It'd be very easy for him to pick someone off like that.
0: Yeah, because, like, she wasn't pregnant at the time and stuff. But it's like she had been there a while. Like, we don't know when they could have... Like, they could have met, like, who knows how long ago. There's always that possibility.
1: Right. And again, like, during that time, like, a lot of women... It, it was called date to dine. Mm-hmm. And it was basically, like, they would just go on dates with guys to eat food because they didn't have money. Yeah. So, like, how people were like, oh, Elizabeth would rather, like, you know, you made the comment earlier, like, Elizabeth would rather have a new dress than eat dinner because she knew that if she bought a new dress and looked a certain way a guy is going to take her to dinner, so that's taken care of. Right. I mean, I think it was a difficult time to be a single woman trying to be an actress, and this was kind of the boom of Hollywood. And She was young, too. She was like 22. Yeah, she's a baby. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so sad. Mm-hmm. its I think it's a case of a vulnerable young woman being in the wrong place at the wrong time, trusting the wrong people, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that she didn't have a father there to really tell her, like, you know, this is how you should have a man treat you. I think that her mom was probably way too busy having 5 children to support on her own. Yeah,
0: and working and all of that, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's not like she was a stay-at-home mom with like life insurance rolling in every month that where she could um, you know, just stay with her kids and give them all the attention and it really wasn't that kind of a time and mm-hmm. I think Elizabeth going out to California probably led her to feel freedom because I'm sure her father treated her Like a stranger.
0: Well, right. He hadn't seen her since she was six.
1: I get that he was like, I missed my family, but I'm like, dude, it was 12 fucking years.
0: You should have just left that fuck alone.
1: Right? The way that the father plays in the movie, is really the same. It's very cold. It's very like... I kicked her the hell out. Like, she was, like, you know, running around and...
0: Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much how I read it in any of the articles and mm-hmm. stuff that I researched. Like, he didn't like how she lived her life, so he said, get the fuck out. Bye. Instead of being like,
1: you know, maybe you should not date every guy that offers to buy you dinner or whatever.
0: hmm Well, that's also the thing. Like, he wasn't a parent. It's true. Obviously. So he didn't know how to parent.
1: <laughs> I just... It's, like, one of those things where I feel... One, I feel so bad for her because, like, her cuts, like, they say she died from hemorrhaging. She was conscious Mm. when someone decided to cut into her face. As an actress, that had to be so much more than just someone mutilating her.
0: Yeah, because she also did modeling, too, so yeah. And she might
1: not have fought back, you know? She may have been, like... I can't fight back. And, you know, she could have been disorientated from the head blows. One of the theories is that her head was in a vice. And that's where the kind of pressurized or like the the blows or the things Mm. came from was actually from like a vice. It's just, it's a crazy story. And like the more you dig into it, it's really like, if you cut the head off a snake, like three more pop
0: up. This is like barely scratching the surface, like the basic story. Mm-hmm. We could have <laughs> way rabbit holed this way worse, but I tried to not make this a five mm-hmm. million part episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like a lot of people, they know the story. So, like, mm-hmm. like how you at first were like, Are you sure mm-hmm. you could do something else? It's just they found a dead woman and I'll put in a lot, you know? Which the crazy thing is, someone's ha- now that like patch of ground. Is someone's front yard.
0: I know. Ugh. It's so weird to me. I'm like, uh, what? Right? No, thank you. All right. Well, I think that is going to go ahead and wrap us up for today. We hope you guys enjoyed our episode here on the Black Dahlia. Mm -hmm. If you have any theories yourself, feel free to drop them on our social medias. Again, those are in the show notes for you to check out along with our merch store, Patreon, and all that great stuff. So we will go ahead and catch you guys on Thursday for our next Stabby Snippet. And you guys have a good day. Bye. Bye.